War Rocket Ajax is a podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Find out more at greenlitpodcasts.com. Oh my god, it's coming! I think it's a This is Comics Catch-Up. Suggested by you, the listeners of War Rocket Ajax, that we have missed. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever actually writing something down physically helps me a lot it helps me organize my thoughts it helps me get my work done and ever since i got my new uh ipad and i got the apple pencil with it i have been doing that on there and that's great the only problem i've had with it it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper which i is a feeling i like we have the solution to that problem that's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, 
to get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comics Catch-Up. As you heard me say during the intro, this is the show where Matt Wilson, that's me, and Chris Sims. Say hi, Chris. Hello. We read comics that have been suggested by you, our listeners, to add to our Every Story Ever list. Things that we missed. Things that we were not able to read as they were coming out. Because we only got so much time. <laughs> I like it when you do a voice, Matt. Yeah, that's that's my number one talent, is doing a voice. This month on Comics Catch-Up, we've got a fun one. Uh, I, actually, I was a little surprised that this ended up winning the poll. Yeah, same. It was Punisher Kill Crew, the recent series, uh, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, that I honestly didn't really have any particular awareness of at all uh but it it was sort of it sort of came out of uh war of the realms it's sort of a spin-off series from war of the realms mm-hmm. so it it came out in 2019 it's very recent uh five issue miniseries super fun stuff we'll get into the details of it but uh but i enjoyed it yeah i, and, I uh, could say that off the bat you said uh written by jerry duggan uh, art was by Juan Ferreira. Yeah, which I quite liked, especially considering what is drawn in this book. Very, very fun, I thought. Yeah, I mean, this had the potential to to be gross, and at no point was it. In fact, I th- I thought perhaps the art was the highlight of this book. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, not, not that there's anything wrong with the story. The, the story is is a fun time, but the art is is kind of shockingly stunning uh, for sort of a side story mini series like this. Yeah, for a book that is predominantly about people literally having their faces cut off. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I liked this one. Having read it, I will say. It's a weird one for people to be like, yes, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Because I'm not sure that thoughts on this book can be at all complicated. Look, look there's not a, a ton about this book that's kind of below the surface. It's it's very much what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say this. We've talked about um, this being the era of weird Batman. Mm-hmm. This is something we've talked about a lot on uh, on just our regular Ajax episode and in every story ever like a lot of Batman stories in the past decade or so have been increasingly weird. I also kind of feel like, I guess we're in the era of weird Punisher too. This is the, I think the most intense discussion this book can bring to bear, which is, do you think that is necessary in 2020 for a Punisher story. Do you think the world being what it is that the more we get weird, wacky Punisher doing weird, wacky Marvel universe stuff, like even if, if Frank is essentially like the same guy, even if there are relatively serious moments in this, like it's not Frank shooting people. It's Frank killing frost giants with like magic swords and chaining uh, Toothnasher up to the battle van, and, and driving to Asgard. Yeah, I think in 2020, 
I much prefer this to like a serious grounded real world Punisher. I Matt, I really like the Punisher as a yeah. character. Yeah. You've read every Punisher comic. Up to a, up to a point, yeah. I had indeed read every Punisher comic. I think he's a fun character. I like the kind of action moviness of him. I think it's interesting to see that kind of character fit into the Marvel Universe just in general. But I know, A, a lot of people like the Punisher for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. B, a lot of people, because of that, have turned on the Punisher as a character. And it's at the point where I'm like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the character. However, I do see the complaint of people being like, this is not a character I want to see now or ever. And so I feel like this is kind of, this is the Punisher story we can all agree on, right? Well, it it even changes the Punisher's motivation, right? Because it's not about him avenging his own family, which has been the driving motivation for the Punisher for since his inception, since his creation. Um, the, you know, that's why he wants to constantly kill drug dealers and mobsters, right? Uh, right. Is, is because his family was gunned down by mobsters. This book gives him a different motivation because lots of people died during the War of the Realms, and these kids have been made into orphans, and so he wants to avenge the deaths of those orphans' parents. And so he's going and doing that, and all the all the entities, all the beings that killed these children's parents were not, in fact, uh, mobsters, drug dealers. Humans. They, humans. They were giant, half-mechanical space sharks and frost giants and dark elves and so or or uh, giant wild looking tree monsters mm-hmm. and so he's got a real world reason for going and killing all of these you know fantastical creatures and that to me is a punisher who, who is very palatable and very heroic yeah, because it's – I mean, he's literally not punishing. He's avenging. Yeah. Uh, like he says in the book, which it rang so weird to me because it's not what he does. Like there's a part where he says, I'm going to go avenge these these kids' parents. And I'm like, hang on. That's a different group of people what do avenging. <laughs> and, but I feel like that's like that's the big change. Like you said, it's it's – a matter of he's not doing it for himself when, you know, it's, it's, it's the Garth Ennis thing of, of Joan the mouse asking him why he does it. And him just going, because I hate them, which is a very blunt and very, I think authentic to the character reasoning, but it's also one that I don't like, I, I do want to say is increasingly hard to deal with. I don't necessarily think it was always as difficult to grapple with it as, as it is now, not necessarily because of the world, but because Frank was depicted in a different way. Well, I don't even know if it has to do with the depiction. I think it has to do with the way people view it. I think it has to do with interpretation. I think you could say 20, 30 years ago, the Punisher is not a hero. 
the Punisher is not a character to be admired. The character, uh, the Punisher is not someone to look up to. When Daredevil says he actually hates the Punisher and wants to take him down, you you would side with Daredevil, right? That line blurred at some point. Yeah, I think it blurred about the time you started seeing a lot of bumper stickers. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that is – it is it is this weird thing that I have been in for a long time where I do legitimately think Frank Castle is a good character and I like reading those stories. And if I see someone wearing a Punisher t-shirt, I know we're not going to be friends. Yeah, absolutely. But you could think Frank Castle is a good character and also be like – He's he's a monster who yeah. kills dozens, if not hundreds, of people, and you should never want to be like him. Yeah, but a lot of it's, people don't make that distinction. Some of his biggest fans don't seem to make that distinction. Uh, biggest fans in quite large scare quotes. There, it's it's like when we had um, Greg Rucka on the show all those years ago, and we were talking about him, and he said, "I have to be very careful about this because when I say Frank isn't broken, I mean." Frank Castle, the character, is not broken. Frank Castle, the man, is horrifically broken. And I feel like Ennis gets that. And I feel like Greg Rucka got that. And I feel like, to an extent, like, even a a Mike Barron probably, like, grasped that back in the 80s. I don't know if he would necessarily grapple with it now. But I feel like it's the... What he represents has changed through not necessarily the fault of the character, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and but but understandably, to get back to Punisher Kill Crew, this book sort of sidesteps the question entirely yeah, by this completely book's a comedy. Yeah, by completely recontextualizing the setting that Frank is in, and and the characters around him, because the group of characters that gets involved and become part of the kill crew is a wild gathering. What a strange bunch of characters because you got, you got Frank, Mm -hmm. uh, the first person Frank encounters who just happens to be held hostage by that giant shark creature is foggy. Nelson guts guts who becomes the immediate audience identification character. Because he just doesn't want to die. He just wants to go home and doesn't want to die. Yeah. Uh, Then they are joined by Juggernaut, who is just a a bull in a china shop. Yeah. You you, you point him in a direction and he goes. Uh, Juggernaut bursting into tears when he finds out about all the kids is a very good moment in this book. It's a very good moment. Also, Juggernaut uh, puking all over Foggy Nelson after Punisher told Foggy not to puke in the van. Is yeah. a good moment. Hey, um, Matt, real quick, uh, we can we'll continue with this in a second. How have we gotten like multiple movies with the Juggernaut and nobody's been like Big Show, the Big Show Paul White? Well, I mean, obviously your first choice is always Vinnie Jones, right? Because um, you got to hear Vinnie Jones say, "I'm the Juggernaut, bitch." Yeah, because that's going to be a timeless. That's going to be a timeless moment in film. That that's going to get you put in the on the AFI list if I've mm-hmm. ever heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even remember who was Juggernaut the the in the last movie with Juggernaut in it. 
That would have been uh, Deadpool 2. That was in Deadpool 2. And I also do not recall who played Juggernaut in that. Apologies. It could have been Paul White. You could have hired Paul White. It wasn't, but like seeing seeing Juggernaut burst into tears and like cry, I was like, oh man, they really have missed an opportunity not getting a very, very large man uh, who can cry on cue to play Juggernaut. Comedy Juggernaut is something that needs to occur in film. Um, The last member of the Punisher Kill crew is uh, Black Knight, who is an interesting addition. Does it actually make a huge impression compared to the other characters in the book? For for sure has the least to do. Yeah. Kind of just is there so that there can be a sword Mm -hmm. that uh, cuts off the main antagonist frost giant's face yeah uh by the end uh, also uh tooth Nasher, the goat is in it or maybe tooth, tooth grinder i guess it's difficult to sell them apart uh thor's goat i don't think he's actually ever even named uh, he's not but uh, thor's goats are named tooth tooth Nasher and tooth grinder so uh, it's one of them thor's goat uh is the 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 means of propulsion on the van. Yeah. Also, Frank has uh, a piece of the Black Bifrost in the back of the battle van, which is my favorite panel in the entire series, because it is a cutaway. And a- thing- the things are labeled Black Bifrost, gun, gun, gun. <laughs> and that is very funny. Worst part of this book, by the way, um, when Frank is using a shotgun and the sound effect is bracka bracka bracka. That is not a shotgun sound effect. Bracka bracka is a machine gun sound effect. The f- that is true. Uh, Get it the, the f together. The sound effect should not be uh, bracka bracka bracka. There is a a very clear sort of weird tonal shift right at the end, mm-hmm. and I don't quite know why Jerry Duggan decided okay now's where we got to get like serious mm-hmm. because like we said this book is all about uh this like big universe spanning galactic f- fantasy revenge thing where frank and this ragtag bunch uh go kill a frost giant that uh, killed a kid's it's actually the kid's mom because we see the dad at the very end yeah it's well it killed that guy's whole family it killed his oh, that's wife right. and kids yeah that's right and the it's the other kids who their parents died doing other stuff but the one guy it was his whole family who got killed by the frost giant who has a you know a frost giant name that's kind of hard to pronounce. I don't yeah, even know how to pronounce it. It was it was a weird name. It was one of those where you're looking at it and you're like, what am I going to call this guy? Like, what am I going to call him? He's Big K. Yeah. Uh, Kasikla, I believe, is the name. It could yeah. be Kashikla. But th- that's the, the big antagonist Frost Giant. So this guy, who sort of has a Punisher origin... But it's a frost giant instead of, you know, mobsters that kill his family. He thanks Frank and uh, and leaves. So Frank decides to go check up on him and actually break in his, breaks into the guy's house. 
and finds him with a plastic bag over his head uh, about to kill himself. And Frank has to cut the bag open. And the guy is crying and he's like, how do you keep living after losing everybody? And Frank calls 911, tells the guy that he's a danger to himself. And then, or tells 911 that the guy's a danger to himself. And then he says, look, we just have to keep on fighting. And there's like a, you know, kind of a grungy image of Frank walking in the snow and his shadow is a Punisher logo. Yeah. He basically tells the dude, oh, we don't go on living. We're already dead. It's just eventually our bodies will catch up. It's just we have to do stuff until then. And it's very weird. It's very it is such a weird tonal shift to end the book on. It is with regards to the conversation that we were just having, it does seem very, hey, we've had a lot of fun today. But yeah. there's nothing fun about the Punisher. There's nothing fun about your whole family dying. Yeah. Which is, you know, like again, I don't know if that is necessary. It might be at this point to actually have the thing to be like, oh, hey, by the way, you don't want to be this guy. This guy is this guy's life is bad. Like he is not a character to be admired. Yeah. Don't be like him. Because for you know, again, Frank has the same conversation with this dude that he does with the dudes at the end of the of Welcome Back Frank. Uh, except he murders them. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be this guy, and he doesn't want you to be him. It just seems like such whiplash to go from this like comedy about a you know a goat a god's goat propelling a van through the various realms oh another member of the kill crew that i guess we should have mentioned was the like their dark elf driver mm-hmm. the navigator the navigator who who is brought on um against his will <laughs> Yeah. into the team. But like th- this is kind of like rip-roaring adventure and then on the what would have been the I guess the last uh letters page of the series uh Jerry Duggan explains kind of the the basis of the of the story and there's a box that has like you know the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline which Look, that's great. Like, mm-hmm. th- that is a good message to get out to people. It is just such a strange shift in tone. It's, it, it's, it is. It's a weird tone shift. And I don't – it doesn't necessarily feel tacked on, right? Because all the stuff with that guy is set up. That he just wants the Frost Giant to die, and he just wants to know he's dead. And that's, you know, and then he'll be ready to kill himself. So it's not like I feel like it was tacked on at the end. But it did make me wonder, like, did, was the thought, like, we can't just do a comedy with this guy because of what this character is and how this character works? Like, you know, he can't just go fight a fight a monster and then take pictures and then uh take these gross out monster death pictures back to these kids which the part where foggy's like please tell me you're not serious about showing these photographs to children yeah, that that's like an ongoing gag through the book is that the punisher keeps taking 
proof of death pictures. Yeah. And planning to show those to children. <laughs> yeah. Of these <laughs> horrifically violent monster murders. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it's, I wonder how much of it was the thought we, we just can't do a straight comedy with this guy because he's the Punisher and he has to be a tragic figure and has to like comment on this tragedy. Otherwise it's, it doesn't work. The only other explanation I can think of is this, the notion that the inciting incident of this story had to be this guy's family dying. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't just have him, you know, when Frank comes back and says, all right, Big K is dead. You can't just have the guy go, okay, thanks. And then just like, you know, go out the door grinning ear to ear. You got to deal with it. And I kind of understand that. It just, again, I, it's such a strange turn in the last three pages. Yeah. Um, One thing that I will say I do really like in this, and I have specifically seen it, done in a way that I don't like before is the way that Frank Castle does interact with the children. Um, I don't think Frank should ever be fatherly to, to kids. Like he should never be like, he should never be soft in any way. Like he always needs to have that kind of deadened quality to him. However, that said, I also feel like, his defining characteristic is that he was a husband and a father and that was taken away from him. And so when Frank treats kids like adults, like, or when he treats them like soldiers, there's a, um, like, I think it's an Andy Diggle story. It's like a Punisher Christmas story where, where Punisher is like, uh, help like defending these kids at like an orphanage or whatever. And he like is very like drill sergeant ish with him. Which is, you know, probably seemed like a good gag, but like, it doesn't ring true. I don't think he's going to like adopt these kids, but I think there is a part of him that is going to feel the need to protect them in a way that he doesn't feel the need to protect adults. Like, he's not there to protect adults. He's there to kill bad guys. But with yeah. these kids, he's like, no, I need to do this for these children. Well, well, if, if you go a step back, right? Mm-hmm. If you go a step back in his origin where it's like, why do you do this? I hate them. The, the, the step a little further back from that is why do you do this? This should never have to happen to another child. Right. right. If, if part of the Punisher's origin is he wants to protect children from bad people. Yeah. He, so. he watched his children die, which is horrible. So like, I like the way that Frank treats the kids because he's never not Frank. He's never not the Punisher. But he's also like, like there's that bit of narration where he's like, when a bunch of orphans tell you that they want to get pizza, you go get pizza. <laughs> like, and then when he like leaves them at the ice cream shop and he like threatens the guy at the ice cream shop and he's like, he's like, hey, make sure everybody wants ice cream gets ice cream. Like it's very, it's, it's comedy and it's gruff, but like it does, it doesn't make him sappy and it also doesn't make him unforgivably inhumanly remote with regards to these kids. I think it, it finds a good middle ground because it does. He, he clearly has 
a soft spot for these kids. He clearly wants to do something for them. He clearly feels something for them. But he also doesn't quite understand them. Like, he doesn't understand why showing them pictures of dead monsters, like horribly mutilated monsters, is bad. Mm-hmm. He assumes this is something that's something they want to see. Yeah, because they they need to they need to know that they died and were punished. Yeah, yeah. He, he can't think that those kids don't think like he does. <laughs> you know, yeah. Which is a, a nice little finding a middle ground between feeling for these kids, sympathizing for these kids, but not quite quite being able to get into the heads of these kids. It is both a Punisher story and a wacky Marvel Universe comedy romp that has the Punisher in it. I think for 1920ths of its length, it finds a balance between mm-hmm. those things. And then somehow right at the very end, it doesn't, it loses the balance yeah. a little bit. Enjoyable. And again, like I, I read most of the war of realms tie-ins and like, I think war of realms is a really actually very fun event. Like I, I went and read, um, I went out to dinner the other night when uh, my wife was busy, and so it was just me reading comics at a restaurant while I ate a sandwich. And I read all of Secret Wars 2015, which rules. Uh, and then I read all of War of the Realms, and they're like that's that's a fun time. And so, like, I feel like this is very much in keeping with that of. Okay, well, what does it mean to have these Marvel Universe characters that are, you know, the the, the all-too-human Marvel Universe characters, but also occasionally dragons invade? <laughs> you know? All right, everybody, you're going to hear a quick little break right now, and then we're going to come back and we're going to rank Punisher Kill Crew. Chris, my eyes have gravitated directly toward what I think has to be the first point of comparison for this book. Okay. Scroll Kill Crew, which is at number 479. Yeah, we didn't even mention that, that this is a weird, like, revival of the Kill Crew name. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a revival in name only. No, yeah. no, nobody from Skull Cr- Scroll Kill Crew is in this. But it is Kill Crew, both spelled with Ks, in the same way. Yeah. This certainly doesn't... I don't think it breaks the ground that scroll kill crew did scroll kill crew is like an extremely of its time book, but it's also a book that is like, Hey, remember when the fantastic four turned scrolls into cows? That's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a weird, like revisiting an obscure piece of Marvel continuity kind of book. Yeah. This is like, this could have just been called, you know, Punisher's buddies. Scroll Kill Crew does something very specifically Grant Morrison to the Marvel Universe. I don't necessarily think this does something that is as interesting a twist. I, I think they're both fun, similarly fun books, but I think you're right. Um, like Scroll Kill Crew is a weird book featuring weird characters with a weird premise. Yes. All new characters, too. This is... It doesn't reach that level of weird. And and therefore, it is probably not quite as notable. But I, I think they're maybe comparably fun 
Um, so I don't know where that puts this, but I, I, th- I think we have at least determined that it's below scroll kill crew. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how far though. Cause I do think you're right in terms of them being similar in quality. It's probably not as good as the multiversity one, two and guidebook for sure. Yeah. So, okay. So scroll kill crew is at four seventy nine. We could just kind of go to the hundreds Mm-hmm. After that, um, 500 is Fantastic Four number four, the first appearance of Silver Age Namor. Mm-hmm. Are we, is it worse than that? I ca- like. I would rather read this again than that, but I also, right below that, like I think Walking Dead Volume One, which is right below that, probably has like a a a claim on being better. Okay, let's go to 550 then, because 550 is uh, the Kirby Black Panther series. Well, that's a weird one. Yeah, that is a weird one. I mean, I would certainly rather read this than Death, the High Cost of Living. Uh, Uncanny X-Force is above Black Panther. I kind of like this more than Uncanny X-Force. I know. Or that's... is it? Or did I just misdirect you? <laughs> I know that's probably sacrilege to say. But I kind of did enjoy this more than Uncanny X-Force. It's Uh, not better than the Coyote Gospel, and I don't think it's better than the Mutant Massacre. I think it has to go right there. Then it's going to go above, right above another Comics Catch-Up series. Uh, Punisher Kill Crew will go into the list at number 549, above Uncanny X-Force, Volume 1, numbers 1 through 35, below X-Men the Mutant Massacre. So that does it. We, We did it. We read and ranked Punisher Kill Crew, which was a fun one. Yeah, a fun one to read. Not what I would have picked for us to catch up on. But uh, I wouldn't have even thought of it. And that's what makes taking listener suggestions so handy, is it steers us towards stuff that we wouldn't have even thought of. Yeah, which is nice. Also, I, I don't know if we said it enough, Juan Ferreira's art on Punisher Kill Crew Perhaps the reason to read it. It yeah. is so expressive, so good. The comedy is really expressed through the art. And it's comedy and everything that's happening is goofy, but the art never looks it never hits the point of silliness. No, not even close. There yeah. are parts where, especially Foggy Nelson, almost looks like like a comic strip character, mm-hmm. which I think is very much on purpose. But like it never gets to the point of being like stupid or cartoony. If anything, it's well, not that cartoony is bad, but yeah, you, you know what I mean. No, but but like, like it could be very easy to draw the Punisher in his weird like Viking helmet that he's wearing and be like, oh, that doesn't look fun. Yeah, and it always looks fun. Yeah, and it always, but it never looks stupid. And I think that's one of the biggest selling points. Also, the action is just so beautifully crisp. Like, the thing where Big K gets sliced to pieces at the end, it's very clear what's happening without it being, like, unbearably gross, which is such a fine line to to walk. When you say crisp, I feel like that's it. Like, that is the – that's the word for what this book is. Uh, If you would like to suggest something for us to read on the next Comics Catch-Up – uh, hit us up at War Rocket Pod on Twitter or WarRocketPodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, those are two places where you can suggest stories for comics catch up. And uh, then they will get added to our poll. 
which will go up in early March for the next uh, Comics Catch-Up. You can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We would really appreciate that. Uh, Kick in some cash, if you want, at patreon.com slash warrocketajax. That is the thing that ensures that Comics Catch-Up happens every single month. And uh, for me personally, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to everything that I do. Chris, where can people find you? Uh, find me at the-isb.com. Links there to everything that I do. Do we know what we're what the next uh, poll is going to be about? Uh, no, uh, people can send us suggestions, and, and okay. we'll we'll put stuff up uh, on the poll. That's it, everybody. Thank you for uh, for being with us. Thank you for suggesting. If uh, if you are a participant and voting in the polls, we'll be back with. Another show very soon. Uh, Until then, good catching up. (laughs) 